This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Hey, really honored you're with us today. We are in part three of a message series that I have loved, a series called The Path of Most Resistance. Most of us want to take the easy path in life, but really the stuff that God wants for us is often on the other side of a challenging path, and it's the path of most resistance. And so let me tell you where we've been and where we're going, and let me tell you this on the front end of it. Um, I'm going to give you everything I've got for the rest of this month, and at the end of this month, um, our overseeing pastors have invited me to take something called a sabbatical. It's just a little bit of an extended break, and here's the reason. We've gone hard for 15 years. We just celebrated our 15th anniversary, and they want us to rest and prepare for the next 15, and so I'm excited, but here's the truth. It's a little bit about me, but it's a lot about you, and as we rest, we really believe we'll bring our best to you. You lead the best from rest, not to rest, and so it's going to be in a really great season. We've got a whole incredible lineup of people coming to speak over the summer. You are going to grow, be challenged, and be blessed. It's going to be amazing, all right? Let me tell you where we've been in this series. We started on week one with this really like a kind of a toe stepper. And what I mean by that is I stepped all up on your toes. Jesus said this in the book of Matthew chapter 16. He said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, that's what he invites all of us to be, you must give up your own way, which is terrible because I like my own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. This is hard. This is a challenging thing that Jesus said. And here's what we said in week one. You can't carry your cross and your opinion at the same time. And I love you. And I love that you've got opinions. And I love that you, you know who you want to vote for and what your opinions on social issues are and all those things. But none of those things matter above the word of God in Scripture. It is the final word. It is the authority. Then week two, last week, I talked about something that I think is one of the most challenging for a lot of Christians, and it's letting go of the stuff that tends to hold on to us, which is our finances. uh, uh, Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, said it like this in Proverbs 11. He said, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And I said, I want you to have a large life. One of the things that's challenging for a lot of Christians is we feel like we just give in order to get something back from God. That's not how it works. We said this last week, we give to worship, not give to get. We give to worship God. This is the heart of everything. Next week, here's a teaser. I'm gonna talk to you about the one part of following Jesus, the path of most resistance that is the most challenging for me. Come back next week. It's a really difficult one for me. It's, it's a sin that's funny because we celebrate it. So I'm gonna talk about that next week. Today, I wanna talk to you about another issue that after 15 years of pastoring our church, I have talked to hundreds and hundreds of people about. It's a path of most resistance. Today, I wanna talk to you about forgiveness. What a challenging topic we have today, all right? Um, A few weeks ago, I had one of the weirdest moments of my life. And you need to understand something, like words sit on people differently. The things that are said to you and about you, they have this way of hitting your soul in different kinds of ways. My whole family was in the car. It was after school one day. We're just heading somewhere. And my, my middle schooler, Gavin, he's in sixth grade. He said, guys, I gotta tell you something super weird happened at school today. We said, what? He goes, one of the boys in my class said this. He said, Gavin, your mom is a tasty snack. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, hold up, hold up, hold up. I said, I said, Gavin, what did you say? And he said, I said to that boy, chill bro, chill bro, chill bro, chill bro. I was like, good. Then I pulled my phone up and I said, "Um, hey Siri, is it against the law to punch a sixth grader? You know what I mean? And you would think that Liz would be offended by this. She'd be off-put by this. But I look over at her, and she was like. 
like playing with her hair. She said, um, did anyone else say anything about me? What was I wearing that day? I couldn't believe it. And I've caught her the last few weeks. It's just been weird around my house. It's like she's getting full makeup on before drop off at school in the mornings, just in case, you know, super weird. I, I called her one day from work and she answered, tasty snack hotline. I'm like, stop it. We're cooking in the kitchen last week and she needed to get by me. And instead of saying, excuse me, she literally pushed me out of the way and said, tasty snack coming through. Like, who does this, right? Super strange. Words sit on us funny. They just do. Uh, last summer, my son Joey, who's a, a ninth grader now, was killing it in exercise. And my man like transformed his body. I mean, push-ups every day, tons of benching, tons of squatting. He just lifted all summer. And my man, like he got really jacked in the summer and it was awesome. And one day he had come down for breakfast. He wasn't wearing a shirt. And I said, Joe, Joey, you have got broad, broad shoulders. And he was offended. He's like, oh, come on, dad, what's wrong with you? And little Ella was there, and my daughter Ella goes, dad, that's so mean. I said, no, 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 broad is good. It means strong. Women want a man with broad shoulders. And Ella wasn't content to leave it there. She decided to compliment me, and she said these words. She said, dad, you have broad abs. I was a little offended at this. I didn't know what this meant. But the funny thing is these were words that I knew the intention behind the words. She was trying to be sweet. And so it didn't ruin me. It didn't mess up my day. I didn't spend time with a therapist. I was fine after it. But isn't it funny how words tend to hit us differently? And some of us have had some things said over us in our life and it has been detrimental to our souls. I'm leaving you you are unworthy of my love. You are a waste of life. We got married and we said till death do us part and then she said I'm getting a new apartment and I'm leaving. We've heard things said over us. We've had others of us have had things done to us. We've been abused, hurt, assaulted. We have carried pain from season to season in our lives and it's hard to know what to do with that. What do you do with those mortal wounds to your soul? What do you do with that? Well, you could turn to Jesus and try to find some inspiration and help. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 17. He said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Thanks for nothing, Jesus, right? Like, you're going to have some difficult days. There's going to be some challenging moments in your life. And what do you do with those painful moments? What do you do with the moments that scar your soul? What do you do with it? So, so two verses later, Jesus says, so here's what you do. He says, so watch yourselves. I think the ancient Greek language, this literally translates, check yourself for you wreck yourself. That's what he says. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, here's what I want you to do. Rebuke them. Go talk to them about it. And if they repent, then here's your responsibility. You forgive them. Then he says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now, the... In the ancient world, the number seven was considered the number of completion. So if a person is like completely offended you, completely ruined you, but they respond with seven apologies, even at that, at that number of completion, you are still to accept their apology. And I love how honest the Bible is. The next verse says, the apostles, these disciples said to the Lord, we can't do it on our own. 
We're going to need you to increase our faith. We can't do this by ourselves if we're going to walk through this life and, and carry the scars and the pain and the assault and the abuse of this life. We can't do it on our own. We need you to increase our faith. So the question I want to wrestle with today is this. Not the little stuff, but the big stuff in your life. What do you do when you're really hurting? What do you do when someone has hurt you, they've devastated you, when it feels like your soul is scarred and your heart is broken into a million fractured little pieces? What do you do with that? Well, to get us started, I want to I talk to us about forgiveness, but I think to define it, maybe instead of defining forgiveness, we should start by talking about what forgiveness is not. And let me start with this. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense, and I think a lot of us feel like when someone hurts us, we just got to be like, well, it must not have been that big of a deal. We hear things like it's just water under the bridge. It's not, it's not that big of a deal, so we minimize it. No, 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 no. If you are carrying pain and hurt from season to season in your life, let me tell you this. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Beyond all that, it's not just a big deal to me or to you. It's also a big deal to your God in heaven. I think a lot of us think about Jesus and we think the reason Jesus came into this world was to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And, and that is completely true. But another reason, kind of a, a secondary or a tertiary reason that Jesus came into this world was to understand the pain of this world. Like all the pain you feel in your heart, all the betrayal you feel in your heart, Jesus was betrayed. And I think betrayal might be the deepest kind of pain because it's from someone close all the sleepless nights, all the moments you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because you're thinking about that moment, it's replaying over and over and over in your mind, he understands. The anxiety, the anxious nights, the depressive feelings, all those things that tend to flood our souls and to damage and collude our hearts, all those things, he understands. It's not a small deal, it's a big deal. Forgiveness is also not necessarily reconciliation. And I think we want this, don't we? When someone walks out of our life and they hurt us, don't we want them to apologize so that we can like reconcile? And we want them to come back in and ask for forgiveness. We want to pretend that it never happened and go back to the way our heart was before they hurt us and we hope that it'll happen. And, and maybe he walked out on the marriage and you think to yourself, someday he'll ask for forgiveness and someday he'll come to his senses and he'll come back and we'll just be happily ever after again. One of the funny things about forgiveness is forgiveness isn't always reconciliation. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes people are hurt by people who are no longer living. And they've been buried for years now and you still carry hurt. You, you drive past the graveyard where they're buried and your heart burns with anger. Sometimes they've walked out of the relationship and they've completely moved on. They've moved away. They're just gone. And it feels like what you want is reconciliation, but you're never going to get it. Let me tell you why. Reconciliation requires two people coming to the table. But forgiveness is different. In fact, I would say it like this. Forgiveness is a one-player game. It's not dependent upon another person. Why, why do we forgive? Because forgiveness is about setting someone free. And we're afraid to do it because we think if we set someone free, it lets them off of the hook. No, no, no. The person who is set free is actually you when you choose to forgive. Forgiveness isn't dependent upon another person's actions. It's dependent upon your heart making the decision to say, I would rather live free than trapped in the prison of offense. Forgiveness is also not forgetting what happened. And a lot of us feel like, well, I can't, I can't forget, so therefore I can't forgive. No, 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 no. 
once again, it's not forgetting what happened. You can learn from it, grow from it. In fact, the relationship may never reconcile. You may never forget it, but you can choose to stop allowing that pain to hurt you. You know, the funny thing that we tend to trick ourselves into when it comes to holding on to stuff like this is we think that by holding on to pain and holding on to the offense, we somehow have control over them. Can I tell you this? Some of you have had fights in your mind while you're taking a shower or trying to fall asleep with someone who doesn't even know they've hurt you anymore. So holding on to an offense never hurts your offender. It just lets them keep on hurting you. So why? Why don't we forgive? If it's that easy, why don't we just let it go? Why don't we just move on? Why don't we just step into the new life that God has for us? Well, I kind of summarize it this way. Number one is we just don't think it's fair. And it's not. We don't think it's fair. When someone's hurt us, shouldn't they be punished? And shouldn't they be held accountable? And when someone hurts us, shouldn't they have to be the one to come and seek forgiveness from us? Listen to me. Yes. You're right. It's not fair. But let me teach you what Jesus teaches about this. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says it like this. Peter comes to him and said to Jesus, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven. Remember, seven is the number of completion. Up to seven times. And Jesus responded, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations of the Bible say 70 times seven times. It's 490 times. And I want to pause here for just a moment. According to Jesus, you are to forgive an amount that feels insurmountable. Like every single day, 490 times? I mean, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. So say you and a person were having a 24-hour straight argument, 24 straight hours of fighting, 490 times is literally more than once every three minutes of your day if you don't sleep at all. That seems like insurmountable. And then Jesus tells a story like he always does to help it make sense. Therefore, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So there's this king who has a servant who owes him something. And he owes him an insurmountable amount of money. It was a huge amount that this servant would never be able to repay. And in Jesus' day, when you owed a debt like this, after a certain amount of time, a person could have you jailed and in prison, or they could even do something worse to you. They could take your children as servants and slaves. And the king sees this servant, he throws himself at the king's feet, and he says, King, I don't know what to do, I'll never be able to repay it. And the king thinks, and he says to the man, well, of course, of course you'll never be able to repay this. You know what? I forgive your debt, go in peace. And the man leaves, and he walks out of the palace, and when he walks into the city, he runs into another person who owes him something. But instead of the insurmountable debt that he owed to the king, it's just a small amount. Something the guy could probably pay back at some point really soon, but instead of letting him off the hook the way he'd been let off the hook, he says to the man, I can't believe you, you're despicable. Have him thrown in prison or have his children come and serve me as slaves. Can you imagine how the king felt when he heard what this man who had been forgiven of so much did to the person who owed him just a little bit? And then Jesus takes the whole story, flips it upside down and says it like this. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, what, what does this mean? It means that Jesus has forgiven each of us of an amount that is insurmountable, an amount that is unattainable for us to ever be able to somehow repay him. He's forgiven us of everything. His death on the cross is a greater sacrifice. It is greater forgiveness than anything you and I will ever have to forgive someone else of. 
And yet, we walk around this life with unforgiveness and bitterness, treating our heart like cancer in our souls. Why do we do this? Anne Lamont, the famous author, said this. She said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And we walk around like this all the time, drinking the poison of unforgiveness and literally walking into every relationship and wondering why our souls never feel peace and our souls never feel at rest. So why, why don't we? We said well, one of the reasons we don't is we don't think it's fair. Here's another reason we don't do it. It's because we don't think we can. We don't think that we can do it. We don't think that we can forgive because it feels like too much. And if you feel this way because of something someone said or did to you, let me say this to you. <laughs> You're right. You can't. It's too big for you to do it. You can't forgive, hear me out, on your own. You can't. You can't forgive. It's too big to forgive in your own strength. Paul says in the book of Philippians chapter four, he says, I can do everything who, through him who gives me strength. I can do what? Everything. Okay, watch this. I can forgive everything that's been done to me. Yeah, but what about that abuse? I can do everything. Yeah, yeah, but she walked out on me. I can do everything. Not in your own strength, through him who gives me strength. So yes, yes, you've walked through some stuff, and yes, it's a big deal, and yes, I'm not minimizing it, and yes, you can't forget it. I get all of those things, but this isn't about getting even. This is about getting free. This is about your soul being set free. Some of us today are like, cool, I got it. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm gonna be honest. Here's another reason I can't, is I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I was wronged. I feel better when I'm angry, and so I'm gonna hold on to this. Can I teach you something? Mature people know something different about our feelings. Our feelings are indicators, but they're not always truth tellers. Our feelings are indicators of what's going on, but they don't always tell us the truth. So mature people understand this. Choices lead, feelings follow. So you get these couples who come in for marital counseling, they're like, we just don't feel in love. Okay, cool. Well, what are you doing about it? Have you chosen to love each other? Serving is a choice. Love is, it can be a feeling. The feelings you want are just, that's all they are is feelings. Choices lead, feelings follow. When it comes to forgiveness, here's what you need to understand. Forgiveness is a choice. I don't feel like it. Okay, fine. But you can still choose it. Because in choosing it, it is taking the path of most resistance to the freedom that I believe that God has for us. So here's where I want to land this whole message. I want to land the plane. That's kind of funny. That was really good. <laughs> we, we timed that with the FAA. It was awesome. All right. Here you go. Ready? How do I respond? How do I respond to this? What do I do? Okay, now this is where it gets really practical and really challenging. When someone's hurt you, abused you, offended you, when you're carrying unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, here's what you do. You ready? Pray for them. I don't, I don't, I don't want to pray for them. I, I literally do not want to do this. In fact, if I have to pray for them, I want to pray some really mean prayer like, okay, God, I pray for so-and-so who hurt me. I pray that they'll have a permanent case of hemorrhoids in Jesus' name right? That's what I want to pray. I want to pray there's a screaming baby by them on every flight they take for the rest of their life. I want to pray for flat tires on I-4 in Jesus' name. Like that's, that's what I want to pray for. But here's what, here's what Jesus said in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And that sounds fun. And that sounds easy. But Jesus said, but I tell you, love your enemies. 
and pray for those who persecute you. Love them and pray for them. Love them and pray for them. And this is, this is hard. Can I tell you why praying for them matters? It's really hard to stay angry at someone you're praying for. This is why when couples come to me for marriage counseling, one of the first questions I ask after they dump all of their problems on me is, okay, let me ask you a question. How are you doing at praying for each other right now? I'm not really feeling like praying. I didn't ask that. How are you doing at praying for them? Why? Because praying does one of two things. It either changes the situation or it changes my heart. But in either case, something is going to change. Some years ago, I had this pain in my heart. It was so bad. Um, when our church started, every pastor in town became my friend. Every pastor in church had my back and was celebrating us as we were getting going. But we had like nobody coming. There were services with like 10 people in it. And it was funny because they all celebrated me. You can do it. God's with you. Go, go, go. And then we got like 300 people and all of a sudden it felt competitive. And all of a sudden I started hearing stories of pastors in town talking trash about me from people that are like some of my dearest friends. They were like, I was in the room. He said this, assaulting my character, assassinating my honor. It was just terrible at times. And I, I struggled for a while because I would always drive past their churches or I would see them around town in places and I'd be like, what's up slugger? And inside I'm like, I just, I wanna die right now. I don't wanna be here in this moment. And I heard a message on this topic and I remember in the season reading a devotional on these verses we just read and feeling like even though I don't feel like it, I'm gonna choose to pray for them. Let me say this to you. God's done a miracle in some of those relationships. Some of the people who were staunchly against me are now some of my, my best friends in town. Pray for them and it changes the situation or it changes you. Here's the second thing we do is you don't just pray for them, you have to bless them. And I'll, I'm gonna be honest, I don't wanna do this. Another story, some years ago, we had some staff members, great people who loved the Lord, but they just got toxic. And honestly, we had to let them go and it was a difficult situation. And instead of going gracefully, they rolled a grenade, hurt us, I mean, verbally assaulted us. It was just, just a tough situation to navigate for me as a pastor. Lots of people in our church kind of left alongside them. It was just, it, was, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be ugly and they made it ugly. I'm gonna be honest, it, it hurt. Candidly, I didn't eat for three days, three straight days because I was in so much pain. And look, in my job, people have opinions about me. People are mean to me. People say mean things all the time. And I'm usually like, that's nice. Let's go to Outback tonight. I'm fine, right? But this hurt so bad that for three days I didn't eat a single thing. And after all this, um, one day I was praying, praying for them, and I felt the Lord say, write a check. I was like, okay, cool. You got any other ideas? Like anything else? It's like, no, no invest in them, invest in their ministry and what they're going to do. And so I talked to my wife, we gave. Can I tell you what happened at the end of that story? <laughs> Nothing. Sent the check. I know they got it because it cleared my bank. I didn't get a thank you card, didn't get a thank you text, didn't get a phone call, didn't, nothing. It was as if I sent it off into the abyss and never heard back at all. The relationship, still not what I would hope it would be. But I did my part because my heart is at stake. My freedom is at stake. Jesus said it like this in the book of Luke. He said, I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Here it is, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. The book of Romans, Paul says it like this. He says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. It's hard, it's hard following Jesus, but this is the path of freedom. Here's the last thing, we're gonna bless them. And now, number three, we're going to do good to them. 
Paul, who read the, wrote the verses we just read, goes on to say this, Romans chapter 12. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Next verse, please. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you're going to have to do some good here. Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So important. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, you have a responsibility. You can pray for them. You can bless them. And then you got to do good for them. And this is hard. Okay, but what do we do? Like, how do we respond to this. The same guy who wrote the letter we just read in the book of Romans wrote a letter to a church in a city called Ephesus, a little city uh, on the coast of modern day Turkey. And he said to these people, here's what I want you to do with all of that, all that pain, all that hurt, all that stuff you're carrying from season to season. Ephesians chapter four, he says, get rid of it. These three words, get rid of, in the ancient Greek language, literally mean do whatever it takes to like get it off of you. The illustration I've always thought of is like, imagine you're walking outside and you walk into a spider web. You ever had this happen to you? It is the grossest feeling and you don't know if there could be a spider all up on you. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it doesn't matter who you're with. It doesn't matter how much decorum you carry yourself with. None of it matters in that moment. What do you do when you walk into a spider web? Why? I might have a concussion now. Why? Why do you do this? Because you don't care, you just wanna get it off of you because there could be a spider on you, right? Get rid of it, like do whatever it takes, no matter how silly you look, it's like take the trash out, wheel it to the curb of your life, let it go and walk like Homer Simpson back up into the shrubs. Like get out of it, whatever it takes. Get rid of all of it, here's what you get rid of. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And I want you to get this, here's our word forgiving each other. You ready for this? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You ready? You ready for this? You cannot forgive someone of something greater than you yourself have already been forgiven of by God. There's no amount of forgiveness required from you. No one could hurt you enough that you would have to forgive them of something greater than you yourself have already been forgiven of in greater measure by God through his son Jesus dying on the cross for you. So why? So why would you choose to live your life walking in the prison of offense? Why would you choose to allow your heart to live under the tyranny of that bitterness and unforgiveness? Why would you walk through one season of your life into the next carrying that hurt, that pain, that resentment when you are invited by God to do for others what he has already done for you in abundance? So here's the point. If you've been forgiven of a lot, you forgive a lot. I would say it like this. Forgiven people forgive people. You have been forgiven of so much. Now turn it back to the world. May we never become like the servant forgiven of much who refuses to forgive others. But instead, may we realize that we have been forgiven of so much. And the only logical, natural response is as a result of our forgiveness, we forgive other people. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me all across this room? 
And for a moment, I'm gonna ask that nobody get up, nobody leave your seat. I know next steps teams need to go, just stay here for just a moment, because I don't want you to miss this. In these next few seconds, would you just examine your heart and ask, are you carrying anything that you don't need to carry anymore? Is there pain in your life? Is there remorse in your life? Is there hurt in your life? Is there bitterness in your life? Is there unforgiveness in your life that you've carried from season to season that today's the day that you say, I'm done carrying it. I'm gonna do what Paul said, I'm gonna get rid of it. Take it to the curb, I'm gonna leave it once and for all. You can't carry it from season to season in your life. Follow Jesus. It's not about getting even, it's about getting free. So as we pray in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to just think about those people, think about those moments that have scarred you. Would you just kind of open your hands to God and say, God, I'm choosing today to let go of this so I can take hold of the life you have for me. So God, today we just declare that you have power to help us. We can't do this on our own, we need you. So God, we ask you today, give us the strength to forgive. Forgiveness isn't weakness, it's strength. Give us the strength we need to let go of the pain, to let go of the hurt, the offense, the bitterness, and the anger, so that we can follow Jesus by taking hold of the life he has for us. God, some of us have carried unbelievable pain in today. Give us the courage to leave this place free. We thank you for it, God.